There is no next without making the destination or expected outcome very clear. At Go Church, we are on the journey of our lives with focus, determination, and drive. And it is imperative that we clearly define the goal, salvation. To get there, we must help you understand who we are and what we are all about. We are building a Jesus community to serve the world. The question is, are you ready to go? Good morning, good morning. Good morning. How was your week? Good. Praise God. Uh, let's just, um, Father, we just want to thank you this morning for bringing us here again together. Um, you say where two or three are gathered together in your name, you are there in their midst. This morning, we just appreciate your midst. We appreciate you in our midst this morning. And we want to thank you. We want to bless you. We glorify you and we exalt you. We glorify you. In Jesus' name, we're afraid. Amen. 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 All right. Um, I want to take care of uh, some business real quick. Uh, there are some people that are traveling out to Sri Lanka on a missionary trip, on a missions trip. We just want to pray for you this morning if you're here. And um, we... We want to commit the trip to God's care and just you know, bless you so that you can be a good representative of Jesus Christ and all. So if you're, if you're headed to Sri Lanka, can we just pray together? Can we? All right, oh, okay. I thought there was more. <laughs> <laughs> All right, just stretch your hands forward here because they represent us. Uh, the Bible says, he that plows and he that treasured the, you know, the, the corn, they all have the same reward. So let's just stretch our hands towards them and just pray for them. Just ask God to guide them, to lead them. They are going out to go and represent Jesus. They are going out from this Jesus community to impact another Jesus community. So just pray for them. Just Ask God for guidance. Ask God for utterance. The Bible says an abundant door of entrance has been made open unto me. That's what Paul said. Let's just ask for an abundant entrance for them. Let's ask that God will uh, keep them, guide them, and use them to the glory and honor of his name. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Father, we just want to pray for everyone that is here this morning that is headed uh, to Sri Lanka for the mission trip. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for what you have started in Sri Lanka. We thank you, God, because your word declares that he who has begun a good work will fulfill it until the day of Christ. What you have started in Sri Lanka, we thank you because we are going to uh, impact that place more in the name of Jesus. Amen. And encourage the brethren, oh God, in the name of Jesus. Amen. And reach out to people through your vessels. We thank you, God, because they are all vessels of honor to the glory and honor of Jesus. Amen. We give you praise that as they go, you guide them, you keep them, you protect them. 
in the name of Jesus. Father, your word declares that no evil shall befall us, nor any plague drawn in our dwelling place. With our eyes only we shall behold the word of the wicked. Father, we thank you. We bless you for preservation. We thank you, O oh God, for utterance in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for ready hearts, O oh God, that will receive the engrafted word of God that is able to change and transform them in the name of Jesus. We bless you, we glorify you, and we adore you. Thank you, O oh God, because we're sending them out and they will come, O oh God, back, bringing in the shift. We give you praise and we bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. All right, this is cheating because I need my time back. I did that for. <laughs> All right, um, we're still going on. You know, um, go next. Uh, we're on the fourth phase. We we are trying to uh, help us understand uh, what is going on. And and from the beginning, we, we we talked about some basic things about go next. And we're talking about our vision and all of that. And one of the formulas that we say, which I will always try to repeat here, is that when you properly understand who you are, your identity, and you are able to identify your purpose, you properly, you properly identify your purpose, what you're all about. And for us here, our identity is what? Is that we're a Jesus community, all right? And our purpose is what? We are meant to serve. So we're a Jesus community that is serving. If you can figure out in anything you're doing, in any area of your life, if you can figure out your identity and figure out what your purpose is, it leads to what we call um, what predictable actions. Am I correct? That's what we say. So your purpose, if you properly identify your purpose and you properly, properly identify your, uh, your identity, it leads to predictable actions. And predictable actions always result in what? Predictable outcomes. All right? You cannot sow uh, mangoes and then you go and harvest cassava. That's not, what, that's not how it works. There's always predictable whatever you, a man sows, that he will reap. If you sow some certain predictable actions, you reap predictable outcomes. All right? And so because of our identity, and because of our, um, our purpose, we began to talk about this in a metaphor that we're going on a journey. And metaphorically, we're beginning to look at the signposts. Am I correct? That when you're going on a journey, if you are going in a particular direction, what helps keep you in that direction uh, most of the times is going to be the signpost. And our number one signpost, the first signpost that we say you are going to hit on this journey, all right, to make sure to help us understand and to help us be confident that we're on in the right direction is what? Everyone is welcome. Everyone is welcome. No exception. Everyone is welcome. No fine prints. Am I correct? Everyone is everyone. Everyone is welcome. Then we went further to the second signpost that we looked at. And the second signpost is what? Nobody is perfect, but we are all growing. No one is perfect, we are all growing. If you are on this journey with us, and you get to any signboard that says everybody here is perfect, you know you are in the wrong direction. All right, so you know you are not there. You know, you know you've, you've, you've veered off. 
You're not in the right place. You're not in the right direction. You're not in the right lane. So we said, everyone is what? Everyone is, uh, everyone is welcome. Nobody is perfect. But we are growing. Am I correct? So when you see that signpost, you know, hmm, okay, I'm in the right place. I'm exactly where I should be. All right? And in telling us, in helping us to understand uh, that, that no one is perfect, we began to look at certain things on, on, uh, on Sunday. And I just briefly want to uh, quickly uh, rehash those things uh, that we, 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 we looked at. All right? And then, uh, so one of the things, who can tell me one of the things that we saw? We forbear one another. All right? We forbear one another in love. And forbearing takes patience. Because we are not perfect and you are not perfect, you forbear one another. In other words, we cover for one another. We are not condoning, we are not excusing, but we just bear one another, knowing that we are not perfect and we're all moving towards perfection. All right? And then, number two, what do we say? No one is perfect. What is the, the, the second thing that we said? You said everyone is committed to growing. Everyone is committed to growing. Right? Paul said when you are all, sometimes, you know, I, I, I mean, one of the things that we said on Sunday that was very clear is that if you are the same 10 years ago, you are the same three years ago, you are the same now. And by all indication, you are going to be the same tomorrow. Then there's a problem. And that problem needs to be corrected. All right? That problem needs to be corrected. And how does it get corrected? By growing. We are all growing. All right? Don't be content. Paul said, he said, shall we continue in our faults? Shall we continue in our sin that grace may abound? That's not, you know, that, that, that's not God's desire for us. God has forgiven us. We are the righteousness of God, but we need to grow. Paul said uh, very clearly, he said, when you are children, I mean, when you, um, at the time when you're supposed to be teachers, you still remain children needing milk. Because why did he say, why did he say that? Because milk are for children. He said, as children desire the sincere milk of the word that you will grow. All right? But that's not what Paul is saying. Um, I mean, that's not what a lot of us think. A lot of us think that we have to remain the same because we have been forgiven. No, no, no. You have to change. You have to always change. You see, your mind and the way your actions and everything, guess what? They have to grow to meet the expectations of the righteousness of God that has already made you. And then the third one is that we are all accountable to one another. We have to be accountable to one another. You cannot be, you cannot be, um, you, you, you cannot be too big to not be accountable. And some of the things I'm telling you about, you know, accountability and all of that, it's very practical, right? I do them, you know, I, I, you, there are people, you get to one stage, some level in your level of accountability that you meet people and you say, hey, look, man, can I be accountable to you? Can you be accountable to me? And I'm not saying it out of this thing. Dr. Nofiok, we are brethren, right? It's something that we actually discussed. We want to be accountable to one another. And this was maybe about two years ago. It's not just yesterday. I didn't do it this week. He didn't do it this week. We did not talk to ourselves this week about being accountable. It was about two years ago or so, maybe about 2020, that we said, look, let's be accountable. Hold me accountable. 
Dr. Nofiok is not, you know, just in, but he came to me and he said, hey, let's hold me accountable. And I said, you, please hold me accountable. If you see me doing anything, help me. You know why? Because I am not perfect. He is not perfect. He's loaded, but he's not perfect. <laughs> I am not perfect. And there are other people that I am accountable to here too. You need to get to some places. You need to get to some point in your life. We need to get to some point because we're in Jesus' community. There's nothing hidden. We're all naked and not, we should all be naked and not ashamed. I don't mean in physical nakedness, but I'm talking about the fact that in the way we relate with ourselves, nothing should be hidden. It is a community where we come together. We love ourselves. We are open and we know that we cannot get to our destiny without any other person. You cannot get to your destiny alone. Paul, I mean, uh, uh, the book of Proverbs tells us, the book of Proverbs tells us, it says, uh, the, the hallmark of a lack of wisdom is that you think that in all your ways, you are correct. Proverbs 12, 15. That's the hallmark of a lack of wisdom. Now, I use, I use lack of wisdom as a, just a cover-up. I didn't want to use the actual word that was used there. All right? That's the hallmark. But the hallmark of the wise man is that he gets counsel every time. You cannot be too big for counsel. Even the people that, you know, walk around me every day, the people that, you know, the people that I walk with every day, I tell them, challenge me. Challenge me. Criticize me, but constructively. Because I don't want to get to a place where I'm too confident of myself and I think I know everything. However, I become like an emperor that is dancing naked on the streets and does not know. You know, that's, you, know, you, know, you know, a lot of people dance naked and they don't know. Your nakedness is just right there, open, and everybody's sin, and you don't know. You know why? Because you are too big to get counsel from somebody. And that should not happen from, uh, in a Jesus community. We need to be covering each other's nakedness. And how do we do it? It's by submitting ourselves. It's by presenting ourselves. Let's have people who can speak into our lives. Let people, be, let people be able to speak to your life. Permit people to speak to your life. Give them permission to talk to you. Give them permission to praise you. Give them permission to criticize you. Give people permission to be comfortable around talking with you. That is what happens in a Jesus community. That is one of the things that makes the Jesus community to thrive. The Jesus community is a living organism. And one of the main things about a living organism is that it grows. If we don't grow, we have a problem. And the way to that, the way God helps us to do that, one of the main ways that God helps us to do that is that we have people that we have permitted in our lives to talk to us. Some of us cannot receive praise. Nobody can praise us. We are too big to receive praise from certain people. Some of us are too big to be criticized. I mean, just look at the life of Jesus. Look at, um, look at uh, what's his name? Um, uh, Paul and Peter. All right? Now, if you know the relationship that's between Paul and Peter, you will know that 
it was not easy for Peter to challenge Paul. For Paul to challenge I'm, you see. <laughs> thank you for all the Bible says. <laughs> I can't tell you thank you. <laughs> so you know it's, it wasn't easy for Paul to challenge Peter. You know why? Peter was the man that Jesus actually handed the keys of the church to. You think it was easy for him to go and meet him and talk to him? No, that was his boss. That was the guy that, that when Paul got his gospel and wanted to go and meet the Gentiles, he had to go to Peter to get verification. And he got to a time, he had to challenge him. And this leads me to the next point. The third sign you are going to see, the third sign on the signpost, this, the third thing that's written on the signpost that you are going to see is that we uphold one another. We don't put one another down. We don't hold one another down. Neither do we hold one another back. It is very possible to hold, to uphold people but you're holding them down. In a Jesus community, we don't do that. That does, that does not happen. It cannot happen. It should not happen. The purpose of the Jesus community is that we should uphold one another. What does upholding mean? It means to support. To lend support to one another. And we lend support to one another not because of ourselves. Not because of what we're going to get. And that is why in Philippians, uh, uh, what's my distance? Philippians 4, right? Is it Philippians 4? By, no, Philippians 2, 1 to 6. If you look at Philippians 2, 1 to 6, Paul was talking that you should not do anything for yourself, not because of yourself, and not because of vainglory. You see, too many times we do things because of vainglory. And what does vainglory mean? It means we do things just because we want to have a bragging right. And Paul was saying, that's not the reason why we help ourselves. That's not the reason why we uphold ourselves. The main reason why we uphold ourselves is that we are in a community, and a community does better when everyone is giving to one another. In a Jesus community, we uphold one another. And upholding can be in two ways. It's, it, it, it's in two forms, right? Upholding, um, upholding can be you are helping somebody to come up. In other words, you are pulling somebody. Another level of upholding is that you are pushing somebody. Somebody who's already up or is somewhere, he needs to get to the next level, you are pushing him. So it has to do with pulling up and pushing up. Pulling up and pushing up. So when somebody's down, I know somebody in my life. All right? I know somebody in my life. The only thing that that person wants to do always for me is to be able to pull me up. That is wrong. In other words, it's only when we are down that this person comes around. When we're rejoicing and celebrating, nowhere. You call, the person does not answer. Never wants to hear anything about celebration. You know why? Because they want to be the champion in your life every time. They want to be the champion. 
That's a very ungodly thing. Now, you want to help, but your help has connotation. It has a wrong connotation, right? Because your purpose of wanting to help is to be a champion. That's not a Jesus community. In a Jesus community, we want to be there through thick and thin. When things are good, we're there. When things are not so good, we're there. Why? Because we know that when one sinks, everybody tends to sink. When one rises, everybody tends to rise. Can you give me first, uh, first Samuel? Let me show you this. First Samuel 18. I want to quickly show you something there. This time is running as if it has. <laughs> First Samuel 18, 1 to 4. I want you to see something in First Samuel. Look at that. First Samuel 18, 1 to 4. Okay. Okay. First Samuel 18, 1 to 4. Can you give me an uh, NLT? I think I'm beginning to migrate from my KJV now. <laughs> After David had finished talking with Saul, he, let, uh, he met Jonathan, the king's son. There was an immediate bond of love between them. Note that. In the Jesus community, there's a bond between us. And that's the bond of Jesus Christ. Uh, immediately, uh, and, and there was an immediate bond of love between them. And they became the best of friends. Two. From that day on, Saul kept David with him and wouldn't let him return home. Just like my other friend. Promoted him, but kept him there. Three. <laughs> And Jonathan made a solemn pact with David because he loved him and as he, as he loved himself. Okay, four. That's the difference between Jonathan and his father Saul. Jonathan sealed a pact by taking off his robe. There was this, this pact they have, this, this bond they have was not just a, 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 a thing of, they were just talking, you know, it, it wasn't just an ordinary thing of, you know, not about talking, right? There was an action that followed that. So he did what? Taking off his robe and giving it to David together with his tunic, sword, bow, and belt. In another translation, when you read verse 4, he said, Jonathan stripped himself of his tunic. Now, a tunic in those days were very, very important equipment for war. All right? You wear a tunic, and on your tunic is going to be your belt. And on your belt, you know, you put on, uh, you put on your ammunition and all of that, and everything that you need for the fight or for, to go. All right? So your security is based on your tunic. Your stability is based on your tunic. In other words, what the Bible is telling us here, that because of the bond that was between uh, uh, Jonathan and David, the love that was between them, guess what happened? 
Jonathan stripped himself naked to give David and said, look, in all of this, we are together. We are one. Whatever happens to you happens to me. Who do we get that example from in scriptures again as we go further? Jesus Christ. Jesus stripped himself of everything and equipped us with his righteousness, equipped us with his grace, gave us his mercy, so that what? Those things that he has given us can help us to become one with him. And there's no difference between us and him. Just like Jonathan stripped himself to David, Jesus has stripped himself for us. And we ought to be able to do the same for the brethren. Amen. We ought to be able to do the same for the brethren. Because we're in a community. Alright? When we say we're in a community, we're not just saying, oh, we're in a social club. We're... No. There's more to it. There's bond between us. There's a covenant that has gone between us. You may not know it, but immediately you confess Jesus Christ. That covenant came to play. And after that covenant came to play, you and I have become one in Christ. And so whatever happens to you, happens to me. Now, I may not know it, I may not want to accept it, I may not want to believe it, but that is the truth about it. And we're always better together. Than we are alone. Whatever we do individually, right? If you do it individually, you can you you are not going to get enough mileage on it than when we do it together. Like I say, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. I don't just want to go fast. I don't want to get there fast. That is not it. I want to go far. In other words, I want to be able to exhaust everything that God has given me. And the only way or one of the ways I can do it well is to do it together. Because we are pulling the best out of ourselves. Alright. So sometimes sometimes we are unable I mean, sometimes we don't do it intentionally, but when we say we are helping one another, uh, we hold one another back. And sometimes it's on purpose. Some people don't just want to see you doing well. They don't want to see God's grace doing well. But you see, um, it, it shouldn't be. Paul talked about certain things that shouldn't be, uh, it, 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 you know, amongst Christians. All right? There's some things that shouldn't even be. It shouldn't be happening. He said, this, these are the kind of things that happens among pagans. All right? We should be able to uphold one another. Push one another. Rejoice for one another. The Bible says rejoice with those that rejoice. And mourn with those that mourn. Alright? Shows we are together. That is what a Jesus community does. A Jesus community is rejoicing when you are rejoicing. And when you are sad, it is sad, you know, we are sad because it impacts us. And not only us, it impacts Jesus. Whatever we do also impacts Jesus. Remember what uh, uh, Jesus told Paul or Saul at the time. He said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Because he was one with his church. He said, it is difficult for you to be able to to, to, to kick against the prick. Right? Jesus identified with uh, his body at that time. And if it was affecting Jesus, it's going to affect his church. 
So what am I saying to you? I'm saying to you that the things that affect you affect me. And the things that I do, if I do any good for you, guess what happens? I'm doing the good for the whole community. I will do my 10 minutes by force, so don't, <laughs> just keep it. All right, let's quickly look at some things, some takeaways from what I have said, some, some, um, some takeaways that we, we, we need to look for in people who help. Now, number one that I want you to know that in a Jesus community, uh, a Jesus community that upholds uh, itself, where we uphold one another, right? The first thing that you see is that we are kind to everyone. We are kind to everyone. In other words, we have our hearts yearning to do good. We are looking for an opportunity to do good to one another. Did you see the story of David and Saul again? After Saul had died, he just talked one day. Is there anybody in the house of Saul that I can do good to because of Jonathan? That's a Jesus community. We have to look for the opportunities to do good to ourselves. Not because of what you have done, not because you are qualified for it sometimes, but because it's just good to be good sometimes, or every time, not sometimes now. It's good to be good every time. Not because of what I'm going to get. That's not it. Oh, you know, a lot of times, you know, when we, well, you know, when we come to church and, you know, we, uh, we do this, people take advantage of you. People, people are going to take advantage of you. That's human beings. That's human beings. But that is not enough excuse for you not to do what you're supposed to do. Like we said last week, cars are dangerous. But we still drive them. Because what, what cars bring to the table is far better than what they take off the table. Am I correct? In the same way, human beings are good. What human beings, what a normal, natural human, beings, human being will bring to the table is far greater than what some of them will take off the table. And that's why we don't need to give, give up hope on human beings. That is the only instrument or the channel through which God reaches the earth on a practical way, in a practical form. God can use any other thing. He uses the sun, he uses the moon, he uses whatever. But human beings are standard in terms of his uh, 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 reach to us. You can't give up. You cannot give up. And we cannot give up on ourselves. In a Jesus community that is functional, like this one, in trying to uphold one another, it means we're encouraging one another. We're encouraging one another. How do we encourage our words? We encourage ourselves in words and in deeds. In, in, in deed, right? And, and, and um, you know, we're, we're not, you know, we, we, we're not in a position where we're making ourselves, we put ourselves in a position where uh, uh, nobody can even come to meet us for encouragement. You should be the kind of person that everybody is confident that if I run to this person, 
I will get some encouragement. A Jesus community is not like Job's friends who are miserable comforters. That's what the Bible calls them, right? A Jesus community is a community where we are all open to one another and anybody can come to us. I need encouragement. I'm not doing too good today. I'm not doing too well today. Can you help me? We ought to put ourselves in that kind of a spot. We need to put ourselves in, we need to position ourselves in a place where people are comfortable to come to us. All these things that we're saying is all to make this place a welcoming community. It's to make this place a welcoming community. We want to make it a welcoming community where when people come, they get an overdose of encouragement. They are so filled with the Spirit of God and they can go back walking and leaping and praising God, like the Bible says. Number three. We fellowship with one another. A Jesus community does not, uh, 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 does not uh, uh, discourage fellowship. All right? Like the popular saying goes, rows are good, but circles are better than rows. I'll explain. When you come to church on Sunday, right? We're sitting in rows. Right? We're looking at us. I mean, you're looking at the preacher. The preacher is talking to you. That is very good. It's a place of encouragement. We encourage ourselves. We, I mean, you're encouraged. You're strengthened. You go out and you go and preach. I mean, you go and do whatever you need to do. All right? That's the function of roles. But circles are better than roles. Just means that in a circles are smaller. As you are sitting now, the only person you can really see, my face, am I correct? Yes. Except you turn back deliberately, you can only see my face, am I correct? Yes. The, other person in, the other person in front of you, you are only seeing the back of their head. <laughs> and you are not, there's, there's no proper communication, no proper communication goes on that way. You are not able to sharpen yourself. The Bible says, iron sharpens, iron sharpens iron. So the face, his face is not sharpened. But when you sit in rows, in, sorry, I'm sorry, in circles, why am I, why am I making this mix up? <laughs> when you sit in circles, circles are smaller in some sense. You can face one another and you can minister to one another. You can communicate effectively with one another. That's why we cannot forsake fellowship. We cannot look at uh, uh, this time. I'm going to read the scripture. Can you open to um, uh, uh, this? Thing? Can you open to Romans 12, verse 16? Can you give me Romans 12, 16? Because this is so important to Paul. This is very important to Paul. And some people have made a habit of making sure that that is not functioning, that is not happening. But he was trying to tell them in, Roman, in the Roman church that this is critical to a functioning Jesus community. We cannot neglect fellowship. Look at what he said. No, uh, Romans. Romans 12, 
All right. 16. Give me 16. Romans 12, 16. Okay. Look at what it said. In the Jesus community, we live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. Did you see that? And don't think you know it all. In the Roman church, this was one of the problems that they had. They were too proud to form to, I mean, to, to, to deal with other people. If you, look, if you know church history, right? If you know the, in church history, you learn about the Roman community. All right? It's a hierarchical structure where you have the, uh, those guys who do well and those guys, uh, those guys who do well mingle together. Those guys who are not doing well don't mingle at all. They are too poor to even mingle with themselves. And they imported that culture into the church. And Paul was trying to correct them and say, this is not a Jesus community. This is not how a Jesus community functions. A Jesus community functions by us interacting with one another, learning from one another, taking from one another. And the fourth one. We pray for one another. I don't know what is much more important than this, praying for one another. The way we can uphold one another is to pray for one another. Amen. I have never known anybody that I pray for. I don't mean, you know, like, I mean in my time of prayer and all of that. I've never seen anybody that I pray for that I have something against. He said, pray for one another that you may be healed. Could it be that we're not praying enough for one another? That's why we have all these schisms? Pray for one another. If I'm going to uphold you, I have to be able to pray for you. If I want to pray for somebody, if, if I have issues with somebody, and I want to pray for that person, and I feel very odd about praying for the person. I know, yes, there's, really a, there's a real problem here. Yes, sir. There is no way you can pray for somebody. There's no way you can pray for somebody. Let me repeat it again. There's no way you can pray for somebody that you will have something against them after a while. For one another that you may be healed. Yeah. Pray for one another. Can I take two two more minutes? Two, 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 two more minutes just to round this up. And 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 we have <laughs> and and we have um, uh, in, in in rounding up we have said a lot of things. We have I've given you a lot of things. I've given you uh, a lot of tools, a lot of things to work with, and all of that. And one of the things I want to say about praying is that here we're a praying church. Yes. If you don't know, it's because you, you are not properly connected. And I just want to let you know, uh, on, on, um, on Saturday morning, 7 a.m., the men are praying. Powerful time of prayer. 
We pray for one another there. We pray for the church. You need to join us. Monday morning, the women are praying. Tuesday, we're praying. But I don't see enough people online when we're praying. Or even after then to go and just look at what is going on. Sunday morning, there are people here praying. And they want more people to join them on Sunday morning. We are creating all these avenues for you to be able to be a part of what is going on with us. However, even though we are creating all these opportunities, we are giving all these tools, there are some very important things. I don't know if I should go on, if I should, it's going to. Let me just, let me just, let me just conclude. Can you just give me that, that picture, please? Can you give me that picture? Let me just, let me just end with that. And uh, if you, you don't need to put, you don't need to put a sound on it. You know, if you can, if you can take out the sound, you can just, just, just leave it without the sound. Okay. Can you see this, right? Okay. When, uh, you know, when, when we started this process, I told you that one of, one of the pastimes I have is, is cycling. That I, 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 like to, I like to bike, right? And uh, when I first started biking or when I first started riding, right, I, I didn't know whether it was something I was going to like. So I bought a cheap bicycle at Costco. And, and I started, you know, riding my Costco bike. And as time went on, I discovered that it was something I liked. And now I needed to invest a lot of money. And until that time, I did not know that bikes were so expensive, right? Do you know that people take notes on bikes? I didn't know that. So I got there. But why did I want to change my Costco bike? Because my Costco bike was not performing enough. So, so I thought that my Costco bike was not enough. So I went and invested in, in something like this. But what I discovered is as I invested on it, um, what I paid, for this one, compared to what I paid for my Costco bike, was almost 10 times. <laughs> oh, I paid for my Costco bike. Not almost, more than 10 times of what I paid for my Costco bike to get, to get this bike. But in my mind, I thought that I was going to get 10 times the performance <laughs> of what I, what I paid for because I paid cash for it, I thought I was going to get the performance 10 times. But lo and behold, it wasn't 10 times. I didn't even get 10% increment <laughs> on my investment. So I started figuring out, that, you know, I'll go and read. I was reading, how do I increase the performance? How do I increase my speed? How do I do this? I went and I went researching and all of that. And they told me, oh, you know what? When you're riding, you need your glasses because sometimes the, the wind can, you know, can affect how much speed you can put in. So I got my glasses off. Did it increase my speed? No. Now you need a helmet. I got a helmet. Because if I, if I, if I fight, I mean, if I fall, I, you know, maybe because I'm afraid, I'm not running because I can fall and all that. I got a helmet. Did it increase my speed? No, it did not. 
Okay, now it's because you're riding with, um, you know, you're not riding with, you know, your bike shoes and all of that. And I told you how many times I failed last week. All right. Uh, uh, my ego was bruised and I'm so fortunate my body was not bruised. And riding on my, uh, you know, putting on my, uh, you know, cleats and all of that and stuff like that. Guess what happened? Did it increase my speed? No, it did not increase my speed. Now get a computer bike, a, a, a bike computer. It will help you. You want to know your cadence. You want to know how many miles you're running per hour. You want to know all these things, all the digital. He gave me that. No increase. What am I going to do after thinking? I now, <laughs> I now discovered I have got one of the most powerful bikes, put all the gadgets on it. It did not work, but guess what happened? What I discovered was the most important equipment I did not pay attention to. And you know what that equipment is? It was me. It was me. I did not pay attention to my, you know, my ability, my strength to be able to do what I need to do to get me there. What am I saying? What is, the, what is the essence? And what is the relationship with this? We have said all these things. We have processes. We have systems on ground. All right? But if you don't commit to it, nothing will work. Because in all this process of we talking about the Jesus community, the most important thing about the Jesus community is you. Somebody said, in closing, somebody said, I am more afraid of soldiers with determination than soldiers with equipment. When a soldier has determination, you are likely going to face a stronger uphill battle than the one that has equipment without determination. So what are we all saying? What am I saying in all of this? What I'm saying in all of this is that in all of this thing, we're talking about Jesus community, that we're in Jesus community, the most important thing, the most important equipment, the most important uh, uh, personality, the most important thing that we need is you and you committing to doing all that Jesus wants us to do. God bless you.